Welcome to Beyond Dieting. We're two friends on a mission to disrupt the insanity of diet culture and replace it with something positive, life-affirming, and effective. We are talking to you if you, like us, have felt like a poster child for diet failure, or that diets work for other people, just not you, or like you just can't stick to anything, or this would work if only you were disciplined enough, blah, blah, blah. If that's you, then we are here to tell you that the problem is not you. The problem is dieting. As life coaches, empty nesters, busy entrepreneurs, and menopausal women, we don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach to health and wellness, but we do know what has worked for us and other women in our programs. What's abundantly clear to us is that there is no silver bullet diet or exercise regimen, period, full stop, and we've tried a lot of them. Stick with us as we explore a variety of doable and motivational ways you can free yourself from a lifetime of yo-yo dieting. It is possible to live a healthier, saner, and more fulfilling life you enjoy. Hi, this is Mimi. And this is Lee. In this episode of Beyond Dieting, we talk about how you are not broken when you eat something you enjoy. And most likely you are on track 99% of the time. Yeah. So, so why are we talking about this? And really it's because this is one of the ideas and things that we hear from our clients so often. And they they don't typically phrase it as like, I'm broken, although sometimes they'll phrase it that way, but it often is more like, I just can't seem to stick to anything. You know, I, I just can't stay on track. I'm not doing the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing. And then they really believe that there's something inherently wrong with them as a person, like that it isn't just that I've made this mistake. It really is internalized to be, I am this failure. I am broken. Right. So what do we want to talk about today? We want to talk about all the stuff you do right. More than likely, we're willing to bet money on it, <laughs> that you're doing a lot of stuff right. And we want to start talking about how this is a mindset issue that you think you can't stay on track. You think it's all some big problem with you when, again, willing to bet money, you do a lot of stuff right. Yeah. And probably a lot more things right than you do wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's like um, we have talked about it in the past, like your brain developed to keep you safe and to keep you alive. And so what it wanted to tell you about is when there was a problem or when there was something wrong so that you could correct that and stay alive and not get eaten or walk off a cliff or anything that you might want to do. So your brain is like, okay, here's the problems and that's what we need to fix. It's not telling you all the things you're doing right, because it's like, I, we don't have to work on those. But when you're dealing with mindset issues, you really have to start to train your brain to look for all those things that you're doing right. Exactly. And it doesn't help that we live in a culture that has picked up on that to sell stuff. So commercials for products, 
that, you know, might uh, like skincare or makeup or really anything. Cars make you more beautiful. Beer makes you more beautiful and skin. Like commercials will try to tell you that everything's going to be perfect if you buy whatever they have. And they'll use a lot of imagery and they develop a script and a scene. They hire the right models. They airbrush everybody to perpetuate this idea that if you're not like that, that, you know, there's a problem here and you need to fix it. Yeah. So how do you combat that? Like, how do you deal with it in relation to what we're talking about with is food and being, um, making the choices that you want to make to reach the goals that you want to reach. We believe that it starts with data. And when it comes to, I'm broken because I ate um, too many chips, too many cookies, you know, fried chicken and mashed potatoes. When what I really wanted to have was, or my intention was that I would only have grilled chicken and steamed broccoli, you know? So it's this idea that because I'm not doing what I want to do, everything that I do is wrong. So we just put a big blanket of wrong on it. And what helps you with that is data. And the way that you collect data is a food plan, food plan, food plan, food plan. Yes. So um, a food plan, if you're not familiar with what that is, is when you prepare every morning or it could be the night before, but on a daily in a 24 hour cycle, you're planning for your next day really the whole day. And and what this does is it helps you set your intentions. It helps you figure out, are you shopping correctly and keeping the right things in your pantry and refrigerator? Um, What you'll find when you start food planning is you really need to stay stocked with certain things, like go-to foods that help you quote unquote, stay on track. Um, And a food plan allows you maybe to plan in a Dorito or two, or one Oreo or some of your favorite foods in a way where you can start to figure out if that actually works for you to plan in some fun foods, we would call them um, where they're fun. They don't have, maybe don't have a lot of nutritional value, but you maybe in moderation, you could have some of these things. And if you put it into your plan and you ate them, that's not a failure. You're not going off track. Um, and you can kind of normalize some of what American life offers, <laughs> which is a lot of packaged foods that we're not, and we're not advocating for eating packaged foods, but we know the average American woman is subjected, you know, she's, those are presented to her all the time, you know, on a road trip, that's all you can find in a truck stop gas station. Um, you know, so you need to figure out with a food plan how can I reach my goals each day, like a a calorie goal or a protein goal or whatever it is you're tracking? Um, How can I hit my goals and account for this fact that there, there exists this thing in our culture and stuff that's shoved in our face all the time that, that has, you know, sugar in it or salt in it or whatever, whatever it is could be bread. Um, how do you deal with that and not feel like a failure all the time? Because I think diet culture, your, your own history has shown you that you're going to eat those things. Like those things are in the world. (laughs) So how can you set your mindset in a way so that you're not 
pathologically broken and bad, or you don't have any willpower, or you have just poor character flaw, um, how can we help you show yourself that you are actually really good at stuff? You're good at monitoring your food. You're good at doing the grocery shopping. You're probably most of the day eating stuff that's really good for you. Um, it's just, there are these other things that crop up like the Oreos <laughs> and, you know, how do you move through that moment, whether you eat it or not without beating yourself up? And I think the food plan, what it does is if you go back at the um, end of the day, or when you sit down just to do your next day's food plan and you just kind of say, oh, well, I was planning on doing this, but I did this instead. Often you'll find if you put those things on your food plan, you don't eat them. You know, like I, I know that can really happen for me. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to this event and I know it's going to be dinner and dessert and drinks. So I'm going to plan that. I'm going to have some of those. And then I get there and it's like, I didn't even have a drink. You know, it's like, I, I was like, I, my dinner was so delicious. I didn't even have dessert. So it really is interesting. But what the food plan will show you is what really happened. Not what your brain is telling you happened. The food plan is, is going to, highlight those moments when you're like, oh my gosh, I always mess up when I do this. Or um, I always, you know, overeat when I go to my friend's house or something, because maybe it happened one time. And so your brain is looking for all of the evidence that that has happened. So it's like every time you do it, even if, you know, 10 times you and your girlfriend go out to eat and nine times you do exactly what you wanted to do and ate exactly the way you um, wanted to eat. Your brain is still looking for that time when you messed up because you have told your brain you're going to mess up all the time. And your food, your food plan becomes the proof that you aren't broken, that you aren't messing up, that you're, I always do this or I never can do this is probably not really true. Yeah. So um, let's talk some real life stuff here, Mimi. Um, so my daughter got married this weekend and Mimi was invited to the festivities. There's a lot of, you know, drinking and food consumption with a wedding. Um, so how did you approach this weekend and how do you think you did? Um, I did really well because they served pizza. Yeah. <laughs> which is like my most favorite of foods. And so I was like, I'm just going to fix my plate and that's going to be my dinner. So I was super excited that it was a thin crust. Um, what's it called? Like flame. When oh, brick do... oven. Brick oven. Yeah. And yeah. then flame brick oven, which is just like my ideal pizza. And it had a salad. So like I filled the bulk of my plate with the salad. I got my two pieces of pizza and I did not walk back up for more. Yeah. So yeah. I just said, like, I'm just going to have my serving and let that be that. Mm -hmm. And how did you handle like alcohol consumption? Like, how did you approach that? Um, well, I had just said, I'm going to have a good time and have drinks. And I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I knew I couldn't drink too much because I had an hour drive home by myself. Yeah, right, right. So, so you I, had, like, like the like fact that I had to drive in itself was a limiting factor, but, right. um, I also like, these are special moments, right? To be included in that day with all of those beautiful young people. And I'm like, I'm not going to go there and the whole time be worried about what I consume. 
Right. And what I have, like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to have a really grand time. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, How did you handle it? Um, and we did a lot of dancing. So there was some exercise, we did but a lot of dancing, <laughs> we did a lot of dancing. Um, so I brought a cooler. I, you know, the plan was, you know, yesterday was the actual wedding and the plan was that, uh, I would, <laughs> if, if you're watching us on YouTube, a whole bunch of, we're not even sure why this is happening on zoom. All these balloons just floated by my head when I said that we don't know why. <laughs> So anyway, sorry for those of you just listening, um, but it was very distracting. So I took a cooler with some stuff that I usually need to stay on track. I didn't know exactly what food they would be serving through the day because I had to show up early in the morning to get my hair done, my makeup done. And then really the wedding wasn't until late afternoon. So I just wasn't sure what the day would be. So I brought some stuff. So I knew I had what I needed if I needed it. Um, But as it turned out... I was so in the moment of what was going on for my daughter. I was trying to help take pictures. I was helping her with her dress. I was helping do other things and um, talking to people, getting to know some people who were there. And I found that by the time we reached dinner time after the ceremony, I had not eaten very much at all and actually needed to eat. So with the pizza, you know, I definitely just, you know, I gave myself two slices and salad and I tried, I, and even there at dinner, it was hard for me to find time to take enough bites. So um, I hadn't planned to have a plan. The only thing I did that was sort of a plan was to bring what I would need if I needed it, you know? Yeah. That's a good plan. Yeah. Be prepared, bring being prepared. That's what you were talking about with the food plan too, right? It's like mm-hmm. when you're making your food plan, because I think the hardest thing about eating and what can often make us feel like we're broken is when you just start scrounging mm-hmm. for food, because often the quickest and easiest food to eat right. is things that are pre-prepared and the food plan. Um, and it takes a little bit of time to sort of figure out how your food plan is going to work and what you're going to do with it. I always say, just start with like one meal. Like I'm only going to work on planning lunches and get really good at that and then build from there. Yeah. And this is where we get to the heart of, I don't know if it's American culture. I don't know what it is, but we are so perfectionistic in our culture, I think. And so this idea that, um, you know, that you're just not perfect and you're reaching for this thing called perfection. I think in our programs, we would have be working with you to let's, how can we shift your perspective away from perfectionism <laughs> and, it, it, and still succeed beyond anything you've ever been able to do before? How can, and people think, but those two things just don't even, you have to be a perfectionist to get what you want. But it, for anybody in our group, if you're listening to us, it has not worked for you. <laughs> so, you know, try, and actually science is starting to show that when you're hard on yourself and trying to reach some, you know, level of perfection, and then you don't, and then you beat up on yourself, that actually is likely to make you fatter. So if your issue is weight gain and wanting to lose weight or maintain a weight loss, the more, the harder you are on yourself. And if your thoughts have to do with how you just never can stick to anything and you never do that and you always do that and all this negative stuff, you're far more likely to gain more weight and not be able to take it off. 
unfortunately. Just so a mindset shift is really where you want to be looking right now. If you've been kind of a lifetime cycle of diets and ended up in our group <laughs> listening to us, um, we're here to tell you mindset is the way to go. I mean, yes, you you do. We have a food plan, and we work with you on how to make that actually function for the rest of your life. So there, it is about food, but. It's really retraining your brain. How do you approach food? And and this idea of being a detective is kind of where we are, is you have to be your own detective at all times. What am I doing at what times? You know, what did I do? Checking reality against some data, you know, and I think a lot of times you you'll see you actually eat quote unquote right most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I think part of the thing, just when you were talking about culture, you know, our culture also is not geared for us to celebrate ourselves. No. <laughs> so so if you um, chose to listen to this podcast, you probably need to start giving yourself more credit for being amazing and for the things that you do right. And you probably need to start learning some of those mindset tools that Lee was talking about and practicing them like crazy. You know, I think... Um, we had a whole podcast on your mindset is the number one thing. So we'll link to that in the show notes to go back and listen to that. Um, it's not just like, oh, I'm, I've thought this now and I want everything to be fixed. You really do have to start practicing those mindset tools. And when you were talking yeah. about being a detective, it just reminded me of um, a Ted Lasso quote. If you don't know who Ted Lasso is, I don't know where you've been in the world. But um, that show was amazing. I think it's on Apple. I think it's an Apple TV show. So if you haven't seen it, go. But one of the things there, I mean, there's so many Ted-isms that come out of it. But one of my favorites is his be curious, not judgmental. And he was referring to it, you know, and for other people and talking about other people doing it. But if you can turn that lens on yourself, that like if I can get curious about myself and not judgmental on myself, that opens up that kind of student mind and detective uh, brain that Lee was talking about, you know, mm -hmm. that if you can really get kind of curious about what you're, what you're doing, why you might feel like you're broken and start to ask questions. Um, but questions can be tricky because we can tend to just ask ourselves, you know, yes, no questions and stuff, but you want questions that really start to open you up and make you think about the actions that, that you're taking and the thoughts that you're having. Is that kind of where you were going, Lee, with the whole be curious, be a detective? Yeah. Um, so there's some things required, some new things, maybe for a lot of people that are required. If you want to start shifting your mindset and your approach to this curiosity mind rather than a judgmental mind. Um, the first thing that to develop, and it's okay if you don't feel like patience is the first thing to develop. It's something you're going to be working on if you're working with us <laughs> and shifting your mindset. It's cultivating some patience inside with yourself and this process of learning a new way to deal with food. And I am notoriously not patient. <laughs> like I am not a patient person, but I've cultivated patience. You know, I've cultivated patience with myself and with the process of learning how to eat in a way that feels sane and um, 
gives me what I want, you know, nutritionally and in terms of, you know, my ideal weight for myself. So patience is something to, to realize is it's important to cultivate. And then um, there's some other things that are really typical for people like viewing food as an all or nothing endeavor or dieting. And, you know, this thing called a diet where you, you restrict, you know, and then if you're not restricting, you must be broken or not be able to do something. And then, um, you know, Mimi was talking about practicing this patience and non-judgmental attitude, or you could call it compassionate attitude toward yourself instead of being, you know, saying mean things about yourself to yourself. Um, listening to hunger cues. That's a big deal. Like that's an important one is understanding what is true hunger. When I felt it yesterday at the wedding, I realized I'm like, oh, my midsection just hurts. It just, and I was so, so in the moment, so focused on, you know, my daughter and her um, new husband and all, all the stuff, all the pieces that, that I needed to think about. I, I had forgotten to eat. I wasn't even drinking water. <laughs> so my stomach, my midsection was just aching and I couldn't figure out what it was. I'm like, why does my stomach hurt so much? I'm like, oh, I, that's hunger. That's actual hunger. Because I literally had not had much to eat. And that's something, it, that takes some patience and practice too, and a food plan to start to notice what is boredom eating, what's emotional eating, and what's true hunger. And that's something that just takes some time to develop. Yeah. And those are the kind of questions that you want to be asking yourself, right? Like, am I listening to my body's hunger cues? You know, mm -hmm. and I think if you start to think, I don't, I don't know. I know it was like, I did <laughs> yeah. a program one time. And the first thing you had to do was like, start to pay attention and learn what a hunger cue is because, you know, we're just surrounded by food all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we could say like, oh, I'm starving, but it's like, well, let me just stop back and really think, am I really starving? And, you know, all of this again, is just that, that being curious, that collecting data um, and trying to figure out, because if you're stuck in a mindset that is negative and seeing what's wrong, it's hard then to start paying attention. So that's, I think a really good um, question. I think another uh, really good question when you're trying to get curious and figure this out is how can I practice self-compassion when I view myself as broken or failing or, you know, off plan or off track, which is what we hear. It's like, well, what, what can I do? How can I go mm -hmm. about this in a different way? What would be better than beating myself up? What are some other things that I can do and think that would be yeah. helpful? A coaching tool for that is actually using something like a food plan where you become a detective because a detective is supposed to be objective or a scientist is supposed to be objective. And going into more of a neutral stance, just removing the negativity first um, it's like a pathway toward compassion. So the more you can just observe and just remove the judgment, just moving into that observational neutral position in your thought process is a doorway to compassion. So you're just by doing that food plan alone, you're moving toward, even may, though it may not seem like it, you're actually making it a lot easier to be compassionate with yourself and more patient. Um, we, I wanted to like, um, talk about just some specifics. Cause when people talk about being broken, sometimes we'll say, well, what do you mean? Like what is broken? Or when you say you're off track, 
or you're failing on your food plan or whatever. What do you mean? And sometimes people will be like, well, I mean, I did like I hit my protein, I hit my calorie level for the day, but I had, you know, eight Doritos at night. And and we're and so we're sitting there waiting for like the big news about where they went off track or where they're broken. And we're like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, those eight Doritos. And and so, and this is so common, you know, that person's not being stupid or weird. It's very common in our culture to feel like that. Um, so first, you know, <laughs> that person should not be embarrassed who told us eight Doritos because you're just like everyone else. You think if you have Doritos at all, that somehow you're broken because when you start doing diets, they tell you don't eat stuff like that. So then when you do, you feel bad about yourself. Well, we looked it up. Eight Doritos is a hundred calories. Nobody's getting super fat. If they're hitting their calorie goals, you know, or near them, they're having all their protein, you know, nobody's going to die eating eight Doritos at a hundred calories. Like that is an okay thing we're not saying, oh yeah, yay, go out and eat Doritos. We're not advocating for that. But if that's a food that you love and you tend to indulge in, you know, what we would have you do is decide, um, can you eat them and stop? Or is it a trigger food? Or if not, you know, maybe you have your eight Doritos and you're good. Just don't feel bad about it. That's okay. Um, two Oreos. We hear a lot of people like cookies and Oreos. Um, Two Oreos is a little over 100 calories, not much. It was like 110 calories or something. Um, nobody's going to die over that. Like if you can stop it too, and they're not a trigger food for you, and it's something that you tend to eat and you feel like you're off track with, you know, what's the harm? If you're fitting it into your food plan, I mean, you have to have an overall vision. But we would say if it's not a trigger food, try eating two Oreos a day and see how you do. Um, two Dunkin' Donut Munchkins while we were looking at calories, two Munchkins, 120 calories. Again, nobody's going to you know, die over that. A hundred and a hundred, we were looking up garlic nuts. It was like, we got different figures, but somewhere between a hundred and 120 calories for the average garlic knot. So you can have one. If that's something you love, you love bread with slathered in olive oil or butter, you know, sure. Maybe you don't have it every day. I don't know, but it's not, you shouldn't like start beating yourself up. Yeah. And what I think is interesting when women tell us this, like they're beating themselves like, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, I'm such a failure. Like sometimes I'll have like two Oreos at night and I'm like, one, if you can stop at two Oreos, like you're doing a mate. Right. I mean, there were years when I would sit down and think, you know, a handful of Oreos and go sit in front of the TV, you know, and when they would come up with these specific things, like, you know, I had eight Doritos or three of these, or, you know, whatever the number is, it's like, I want to say like, look at how well you are, you know, monitoring this and thinking about this and managing this. And so like we said, let's put that in your plan because the idea of perfectionism is so unattainable. And so if your idea is, um, I can only be successful if I'm a hundred percent, you know, perfect a hundred percent of the time, then you're, you're feeding your brain the failure message because it really is, um, 
I don't know anybody that's perfect at anything. And I know a lot of amazing people that do a lot of amazing things, but perfectionism is just an ideal that nobody um, should aspire to. And so it's like a disease. It's like a disease. And and it prevents you from being able to enjoy two Oreos, you know, it's like two Oreos might be the most perfect thing for you to eat, you know, like a hundred calorie snack. Are there, hundred calorie snacks that will be more beneficial, you know, could it be a fiber and protein snack with just the right smidge of fat? Like, yeah. And probably, you know, you're managing and doing that most of the time, but if the one time that you go off track or fail or, you know, break your diet, like the whole idea Mm -hmm. of breaking it, we don't ever want you on a diet that you feel like you've broken is, Mm -hmm. um, it puts you in that spiral. And in it sets you up for that space where Lee was talking about when you have those thoughts and that's what you focus on. That's what can then contribute to weight gain instead of weight loss. Yeah. Yeah. And so stick with me here because I'm going to do something that sometimes (laughs) it's clear to people, sometimes not, but I like to reach for metaphors or analogies and, you know, we humans are, whether we believe it or not, are a part of nature. We're a part of the planet, just like any tree you walk by, any rock you pick up, uh, any you know body of water you look at and the waves coming to shore. We are a part of the planet and just like those things are. So we're in the realm of nature. And as you may have noticed, if you look at two oak trees side by side, you know, they're not carbon copies of one another, you know, they're they're, And you might look at one tree and say, oh, that's a beautiful oak tree. And then you look at its neighbor and you're like, that's also a beautiful oak tree. If you look carefully, they're totally different. And you would never, I I think most people would not point to the one on the left and say, that one's broken because it's not quite as tall and it leans slightly to the left. You know, you, you wouldn't talk about oak trees that way, parts of nature, just like us, if you hold two rocks in your hand, you say this one here in my right hand is off track. It's a failure. Um, two waves coming to shore. You know, that last one was a real dud. I mean, maybe if you're a surfer, but um, you're meant to be unique and have unique days, unique moments in time. There are days when maybe like Mimi said, you the best thing you could reach for is those two Oreos. Yesterday afternoon, that would not have been a bad thing for me because I was actually kind of been seriously hungry and two Oreos would have been the perfect thing <laughs> to have maybe in that moment. And you have natural cycles, just like waves, just like, you know, geology, just like trees, you're in your own natural cycles. And there are going to be days when those eight, you know, maybe there are many days you don't need eight Oreos. You don't even think about them. But the day that you do, what's wrong with that? You know, don't beat yourself up. It's just a day that you reached for the Oreos. Uh, let yourself off the hook and move on. Yeah. And I think you counterbalance that with like all of the days that you didn't mm-hmm. do that. All of the days that you were on track, all of the days where you're food plan was beautiful and you stuck to it perfectly. You know, there's probably so many more moments when you're doing things that are right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Those are the ones that you want to celebrate. 
Right. So we just want to reemphasize as we wrap up today, um, how important as you move away from kind of your previous mindset around food, maybe a current mindset about feeling kind of like a failure, like you're always messing up, quote unquote, um, that a good strategy is to use a food plan because it puts you, you know, if you go into food detective mode, you're putting on your objectivity hat and your non-judgmental, it's your curiosity hat, as Mimi was saying, and not the judgment hat. And your curiosity hat, when you do a food plan and then you assess it at the end of the day and look backwards, see what happened, um, you just have all this real data. You start to really see yourself differently. You start to notice that you do have cycles. You do have habits and times of day. And then you just have data you can work with. You know, it's more neutral. Yeah, I just want to, I just thought about this. I'm just going to have to get me a weird sticky pad affirmation. People, and I have them around. And I think that whole, I, you know, the Ted Lasso quote, be curious, not judgmental. I think I'm going to put that up on my mirror in the morning. I was like, just think of starting your day, mm. you know, with that mindset and with that openness, like you already are looking at yourself with more self-compassion. You know, you've already slowed down a little bit and um, I love it to see it every morning and then to see it again at night when I'm doing my night routine. It's just a, it's a beautiful idea and it's hard. I think it will be harder to see yourself as broken and a failure and wrong if what you have in your head is be curious, not judgmental. Mm -hmm. And again, just to reiterate on, um, you know, to say it again, uh, a way to get out of judgment brain to compassion, you know, that middle step is becoming more neutral. So when you're, when you have data and you're just analyzing data, it's one step closer to compassion. Yeah. And, and it takes, it takes time and it takes practice and it takes patience, but yes. you are smart. You're listening to this, which means you already are opening up to, you know, learning and being curious. So you really are already on the way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yay. You, <laughs> yay. You, so we have our song. We were like, we're, we like to do a song that sums up our podcast just for fun, total fun. Um, and we were Googling like songs about curiosity or songs about, you know, whatever mindset. And so we came up with a song that we were not familiar with by Jack Johnson called Upside Down. And it's about, it's just kind of a very positive song about looking outside the box, thinking outside the box. Cause you know, in diet mentality and your old mindset, you've kind of gotten yourself into a little box and it's time to break out of that box and see life in a new way, see yourself in a new way. So we, we picked that song and just by chance, the cover of that album has curious George on the album cover. So there's our word curious. It's a good one. So we have a playlist on Spotify and we'll put the link to that in the show notes too. And um, we appreciate you listening today and we will see you next time. Bye. Hey there. Thank you so much 
for listening. In fact, if this resonated with you and you know someone else who needs to hear this, please share our episodes. We would just love that. We also would love it if you would follow, subscribe, and rate our channel because this lets us know you're actually there and it helps us show up in searches, which would be awesome. Please be a part of our community and mission to help as many women as possible free themselves from diet culture so that they can go beyond dieting.